Technical Talkout, Episode 2. Today we'll be recapping UFC 241, Cormier versus Miocic. This was a really good fight. The overall card, I think, was really good. Um, definitely the main, the main card. Uh, there were some really standout fights, which we'll get into, but similar, uh, such as the uh, Yoel Romero-Paulo Costa fight. That lived up to its hype. We'll get to that. The entire card, though, uh, was really good. Corey Sandhagen, what a monster. He is someone to be watched out for. He is going to really... I think he's going to be a really big name in you know, the 135 division. I think he's someone that's going to be climbing up the ranks really soon. You know, a win over Rafael Asuncao like that, that's, that's something to be really looked at. But to start with the main card, Derek Brunson and Ian Heinich. See, am I saying that right? Heinich? Ian Heinich. That was a good fight. Uh, Ian Heinich started, came out strong. He hit Derek Brunson right away with a head kick, made him take a knee. It was really, it was an action-packed fight for a little bit. Uh, actually, I take that back. It was the entire fight was action-packed. But what was really good was Derek Brunson showed his experience. You know, he kind of weathered an early storm. He fought back. He, they made it an exciting fight. Uh, to be completely honest, I haven't really been that big of a fan of Derek Brunson, but you know he won me over that fight. He really showed a lot of heart, and you know he came away with the win. You know that was very impressive. Ian Heinish definitely will be back. He impressed me too. He he was nonstop. He was gritty. He kind of reminded me of like Darren Elkins. You know, just keeps moving forward. Is like not weary of the shots, but doesn't throw the most. He's not the most accurate or technical striker, but he is. He's got guts, and he comes forward, and he swings, and he's very, you know, he's very uh, confident in his wrestling, offensive and defensive, which leaves him to uh, want to brawl. And Sadiq Yusuf versus Gabriel Benitez, that was a good fight. That was really action-packed, also. Uh, but Sadiq Yusuf just hit him with that bomb that put him down. That was a really, you know, that was impressive. Sadiq Yusuf, he's got, you know, he's. At the featherweight, he's young. He's just fought somebody who's not necessarily top rank, so he's probably going to get another one or two fights before he's really in the upper echelon, before he breaks the top ten. Uh, next, we have Paulo Costa and Yoel Romero. What a fucking fight. That one lived up to ex- expectations. Personally, I thought Yoel was going to corral him and survive the storm for maybe a round and a half, maybe two rounds, and just explode on him in the third. I thought uh, Paulo Costa wasn't even going to last till the third. I thought he was going to blow his wad early and just really not be able to finish the fight to a full decision, but he surprised me too. I didn't expect him to be able to pull away with all three rounds. I personally thought Yoel won. Uh, I thought he did enough. From what I remember, Yoel had more overall significant strikes than Paulo Costa did. Yes, Paulo Costa had more significant strikes to the head, but overall significant strikes, it was Yoel. Plus, Yoel had two more takedowns to uh, Paulo Costa to zero. I thought he should have walked away with it, but you know, it's not a decision that I'm angry about. It's a decision that you know it goes either way, and you're like, okay, I can see that. I'm I'm upset it didn't go the way I thought. But at the same time, I'm not angry that it went that way. I, I completely get how it did that. But they both went at it. It was a war. You know, they, they put on the show. There was no, there was no stopping there. Uh, you know, Yoel was doing his, his, you know, 
normal routine of be very slow, kind of slow the pace by slowing himself down. He slows himself down, he slows his opponent down, and then he explodes on him. I mean, just that opening minute when Yoel or uh, Paulo Costa drops Yoel, Yoel gets up, does this weird thing where he points to the right and then drops Paulo Costa. That was, from that moment on, you knew it was going to be a good fight. And it lived up to the expectations. All three rounds were just action-packed. They were both tired. They were mocking each other. You know, Paulo Costa's doing Yoel's salute. He's sticking his tongue out like Yoel does, and they're just swinging at each other. They're, they really put on a show for the fans. The real winner of that fight was the fans. And I really think Paulo, he's already a big star, but I think he's going to be a bigger one now. Um, and Yoel, he's not going anywhere. I think that that fight didn't say anything about to his age or anything. It was just he just got the bad end of a decision, but it was a fight that was just amazing. Both of them really put on an amazing show. Now, the next fight would be Nate Diaz and Anthony Pettis. I was very skeptical about Nate Diaz even making it to this fight. I thought at some point a few weeks out, Nate Diaz would get in a dispute and pull out, or Nate Diaz would, you know, just kind of quit. Nothing, something. I don't know. I didn't expect Nate Diaz to even make it to fight night, but I was surprised when he showed up, and I was surprised at the performance I got. Nate Diaz came out there. He started slow. He he kind of was letting... He looked tentative, like Pettis was in there, and I think it was in the first few minutes, Pettis wobbled him twice. He hit him with two right hands. That made it look like if he hit him with a few more, he was going down. And I was really expecting Pettis to throw a lot more body kicks and really just kind of open up, use his kicks to negate Nate's length. I thought that would have been the plan, um, but I know he was very confident in his hands. I know he has power. We saw it when he knocked out Wonder Boy off that Superman punch, but or it was the off-the-cage kind of a Superman variation punch. Whatever it was, he has power in his hands. He's not, you know, not gun-shy either, and Nate is Nate. It took him a little while, but he, he picked right back where right back up where he started. And after Pettis hit him with that low kick that hurt his ankle, it looked like it broke his ankle. Whatever it was, it was swollen. But after that, it became Diaz's show. Diaz just comes forward like he always does, takes hits, throws those one-twos. That's, that's, they, they jab, they jab. Then he throws a one-two. That's, that's how they do it. It's not just like a one-two. It's a one-two. It's a, the right hand right after the left hand. And, you know, that's, that's exactly how he clipped Connor in their first fight and wobbled him. He does it to everybody. You know, when he's throwing those straight punches, one right after the other, they're just, they're, they're accurate and they're deadly and he's long. And that's, Pettis was on the receiving end of that for that fight. You know, I, I thought it was, the outcome was going to be different on that one. I thought, I was a little bit jaded. I thought Diaz, you know, takes three years off, hasn't had a win since his Connor win over in 2016 thinks he called the shot, thinks he is the money fight, and, you know, he proved me wrong. He did amazing, came back, you know, after those first few minutes, didn't miss a step, and just really kind of put it on Pettis, you know. And I was actually very impressed with Pettis' ground game. Uh, I know they were saying that Pettis would not defend takedowns because he's very confident in his ground game, but I was, I was sure if it went to the ground, Diaz was going to smother him some way. And at points, it looked like he was going to. Looked like he was going for an arm bar. He was going for triangles. You know, he went for the omoplata. He, he really attacked Pettis more on the ground than more Pettis attacked him. 
Pettis was just kind of trying to be more defensive than offensive. And I think Diaz just kind of stifled him. He smashed his hips and really just didn't let him play his game off his back. And Pettis, you know, you could see that. He did a great job. Every time Diaz had his back, Pettis was able to spin around to guard. And that was very impressive considering when Diaz gets a dominant position on somebody, he doesn't necessarily lose it. He doesn't give it up. He usually finishes at that point, whether it's strikes or submission. But both guys really showed an awesome, you know, showing, you know, Pettis, nothing to really dip his head about. He had a hurt ankle, and it seems that he always hurts himself in every fight. You know, the in the, um, I'm sorry, I'm blanking. In the Poirier fight, he hurts his rib. In the Tony Ferguson fight, he breaks his hand. This fight, he gets that busted up ankle. And, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that that kind of hinders his performance. It doesn't make him necessarily quit, but it, makes a, it does stop the action at some point. Now we move on to the heavyweight main event. We had Daniel Cormier versus Stephen Miocic for the second time. The first fight ended with that quick flash knockout. The first fight was kind of, I wouldn't say even, but it was more even. You know, they were, they were both kind of just like doing their thing in that first fight before DC hit him with that punch from the clinch and just knocked his lights out. And, you know, that fight with DC didn't come too much after that fight with Nganu where he just took bombs. So he took all those Nganu punches, lived, and then he went to fight DC and DC cracked him. And I think the biggest part of why he got hurt was the fact that he didn't see it coming. He didn't think DC was going to be throwing a punch from the inside like that. He didn't think DC was going to be knocking him out. And that's just exactly what happened. So he wasn't bracing for it. And also, you know, he again, he just came off the heels of that win over at Francis Ngannou where it was just an absolute war between the two of them. And Ngannou was hitting him with big shots. But here he goes into this fight. Um, Stipe Miocic, I mean, the first four First three rounds, always a Daniel Cormier. It was obvious. Daniel Cormier, he took him down. He got on top of him. Stipe couldn't get back up. You know, and that's that should have been more part of the DC's plan of, look, I can get him down, and he can't get back up. I can keep him down. But that's not what happened. Daniel Cormier came at him with this kind of weird, I'm going to grab your wrists and hold your wrists, and I'm going to sneak on the inside of your wrist and hit you with a jab or a shot like that. And it worked out all three rounds. It was doing great. He was landing big shots on Stipe, but at that point, you know, the thing that made makes Stipe a real champion is he made an adjustment. In that fourth round, he started going to the body. And a big testament, a big feather in the hat of Stipe is he took Daniel Cormier down in that fight. That was pretty impressive too. Daniel Cormier was tired, and is a big guy, but he was able to get Daniel Cormier to the ground. But... The big testament or the big, you know, outing was he hit him with those body shots. He made adjustments. Something he wasn't throwing the first three rounds. Didn't look like he was going to really throw them at all, but he landed the first one and DC ate it and wore it well. Then he kept going with them and DC just didn't look like he know how he didn't know how to react to him. He didn't want to drop his hands because he was worried about the big shot coming up top. So he kept eating those shots to, to the body and eventually he couldn't take it anymore. He had one that made him wince. And once he did that, Stipe knew he had him. You know, he, he hit him with the body shot. Deep ed, Stipe, or, uh, DC dropped his elbow. And then Stipe went in for the kill. And that's, that was just amazing. You know, he hit him with some big shots. Uh, 
you know, kudos to DC for really putting up a fight and winning three rounds before Stipe made that adjustment. And Stipe really came in and just kind of showed why people are calling him the greatest heavyweight fighter of all time. And to do that to DC, no less. The guy has only lost to John Jones other than Stipe. Before that fight, only John Jones. He's undefeated at heavyweight, and he was looking like a killer. You know, just kind of really battering everybody. Anthony Johnson, Anthony Johnson, uh, Gus, you know, Volkan Ozdemir whooped him. And then Derek Lewis, he just, he didn't look like he could be beat except by John Jones. And then Stipe comes in, gets his butt kicked for three rounds. And you're like, okay, this is either going to cruise to a decision where DC is going to pummel Stipe or he's going to eventually stop him. But, you know, Stipe made the change. He found the opening and he really took it and that won him the fight. That was very smart of him. And, you know, he ate a lot of big shots in that fight too. They both did. And that was a, that was a very impressive showing by Stipe Miocic to go in there against Daniel Cormier, a guy who starched him in the first round, the last fight, and then to take those same shots and wear them nicely, had no problem, walked forward, you know, just really fought him. He, he wasn't scared of him, you know, and then he made the adjustment in the fourth round with the body shots, took it to him, and then stopped him there. You know, was, I feel like Herb Dean could have stepped in a few punches earlier. He really kind of let DC, once DC fell to the ground and he was laying on his own leg, I I would have jumped in right there, but, you know, I'm not. Hindsight's twenty twenty. It's easy to also judge from where I am. You know, Herb Dean's adrenaline's going, and he's watching the fight, hoping that he's not going to make too early of a stoppage where people are going to get upset, and he's not going to make too late of a stoppage where fighters are going to get hurt. But, you know, it's it went on a little bit longer, a few more punches than I would have I thought it should have gone. Now, for potential matchups, let's do the big three. I think Paulo Costa fights maybe Kelvin Gastelum. I know people are saying Till and Gastelum are going to go out at 185, but Gastelum's coming off of a title, you know, contention, a title fight loss to Israel Adesanya for the interim. So why is Till going to go up a weight class off of two knockout losses to fight a guy who just lost for the title. You know, I, I don't I don't see the logic in that. Um, I, I think it should really be Paulo Costa and Kelvin Gastelum. And as far as Yoel, I guess I have to look more at the rankings. Maybe Derek Brunson earned himself a shot at Yoel. Um, we have to really see who's booked for Nate Diaz. I like the welterweight picture right now. I think lightweight and welterweight are the funnest weight classes of the UFC right now. They have such deep talent pools. They're looking good. I think Yoel, I'm sorry, I think Nate Diaz fights Jorge Masvidal. I know he was calling him out in a very respectful way too, which I actually didn't expect. I didn't expect Nate Diaz to call Jorge Masvidal out in the polite way he did. You know, he complimented him. He actually complimented Pettis, too. Um, and I didn't think that was going to happen. But, yeah, I think Jorge Masvidal and Nate Diaz should go at it. You know, Diaz taking a layoff but just beating handily Anthony Pettis, who just knocked out Wonderboy. And Masvidal, who's coming off of 
two gnarly knockouts. You know, he he put Till to sleep, and then the fastest UFC knockout ever with Ben Askren. I think that's going to be a good fight. I think they should make it. I mean, yes, Diaz hasn't really earned much at welterweight, but at the same time, Masvidal needs a fight. Everything's kind of like booked up at the moment. Uh, I think it's a good fight to make. It's a good money fight. I know he was talking about a Connor fight or a title fight. Well, this is the next best thing to a Connor fight is getting a Nate fight. People want to see that. I think they, they know they're going to get fireworks in that one. And I hate saying it, but I, I don't think it's going to go the distance. I think that fight is going to be a monster of a fight. I think I think Nate Diaz wins that one. I think he kind of, I think he stifles Jorge Masvidal. I think he just, his length and his boxing and his pace and his cardio, I think he just keeps Masvidal moving backwards. I think Masvidal is constantly looking for that counter shot to knock him out with, but I just don't see it happening. Um, I think he just cruises to a decision. I don't see him submitting him. I don't see him getting him to the ground, but I think it's going to be a decision win for Nate Diaz. Uh, Anthony Pettis, I think he should fight Robbie Lawler. Either fight Robbie Lawler, who's coming off of the lost Colby Covington, or fight RDA, who's coming off of the win over Kevin Lee. You know, they can get their rematch at welterweight. Um, that'll be a great fight. You know, Pettis is never in a boring fight that he can't control. You know, the Clay Guida fight was one thing, but other than that, you know, Pettis always brings, he always makes a good fight. RDA is just a monster too. He doesn't quit. He's going to constantly move forward, throw strikes. He's always bringing action. And I think that's going to be a good fight if they make that. But first, I think it should be Pettis and Lawler. They're both coming off of losses, which I don't like pitting two fights together. I don't put like pitting two fighters against each other who are coming off of losses. But this is a big chance for Pettis. And this is an opportunity for Lawler to climb back up fast. Now, Stipe Daniel Cormier. <coughs> that is a... So Stipe is now the champion again. He's kind of cleaned out the entire heavyweight division now. He's... Alistair over him, knocked him out. JDS, knocked him out. Francis Ngannou, beat him. The only other person that really he hasn't kind of beaten is Derek Lewis. And I personally think Derek Lewis is a Walmart version of Francis Ngannou. He's big. He has nasty power, but he just doesn't throw with the same speed. He doesn't throw with the same technique or accuracy. He just is, he's just Homer Simpson's people, you know. And I don't think he really poses a threat to Stipe anywhere. But at the same time, on any given night, any fighter can win. But making educated guesses, I don't think he has anything for Stipe. Daniel Cormier, I honestly think if he's not going to get a third John Jones fight, which is more for just entertainment purposes and legacy at this point, I think he should just retire. I mean, what does he have to prove? He's held the light heavyweight belt. He's held the heavyweight belt. He was the only fighter to ever hold two belts and defend both belts at the same time. Um, you know, he didn't defend the light heavyweight title while he was while he had just gotten the heavyweight title but at the same time he was holding it while he defended the heavyweight title 
you know, and he's made light heavyweight title defenses. I think, I honestly think at that night he should have taken his gloves off, put him in the center of the ring, and just kind of looked at everyone and said, call me if you need me. Put him down and walk away. You know, he doesn't have anything to prove. He doesn't need to. He doesn't really need to come back and win. He, he's going to go down as a Hall of Famer. It's, it's a given. Um, <clears throat> I know he's just chasing the dragon with uh, John Jones. He just wants to get that win over him so badly. And I think he thought his best shot, and I honestly think it was too, was at heavyweight. I think the big weight uh, difference in the weight cut affected how Daniel Cormier fought. And I think at heavyweight, he's got more power. He's stronger. He's not drained out. He's, you know, he's a lot. I think he's a more complete fighter at heavyweight than he was at light heavyweight. We didn't get too much showing out of Daniel Cormier in the heavyweight division in the UFC, but we didn't need to see it. We knew that he was just that much of a monster that it would have been fine. Um, but I think he should just retire. I don't think Daniel Cormier should continue to fight. He doesn't need to. He's got, he's got legacy. You know, he's got everything. He just has two losses to John Jones. You know, suck it up. John Jones is probably going to go down as the greatest fighter of all time. <clears throat> he's just, yeah, there's scandals around him and the whole picogram thing. And, but all that aside, like, John Jones is just fucking phenomenal. And I don't care to say that, but he is. I just think John Jones is going down as the greatest fighter to ever walk this planet or at least the greatest fighter to have ever lived as so far, but I don't think Daniel Cormier needs to fight him anymore. Whatever, just chalk up the losses, say, fuck it. Those are my two losses uh, outside of Stipe. Whatever, I did everything else I could. And that's what I think Daniel Cormier needs to be doing is focusing on ventures outside of fighting now. Analyst, coach, Gilroy high school coach, you know, he's, he's churning out some beasts out there. And I think he just needs to focus on that. He's going to send some kids to D1 programs. You know, all those kids have access to these amazing MMA fighters. And a lot of the Russian wrestlers like Islam and Khabib train out of AKA when they're there. So these kids who, like Chase Saldante, I saw him wrestling Islam. Chase Saldante is a commit to Michigan State. He is a monster. He's really good. He's proven himself. And Islam just made him look silly. And that's who those kids have access to, wrestlers like that, to get them that much better. Um, yeah, I think Daniel Cormier should retire. DC, I know you're never going to hear this, but I think it's in your best interest to retire. You don't need to prove anything else. You've proved everything. you proved more than some of the greatest fighters that have ever lived. So walk away, dude. You're fine. You're great. We'll all know you as one of the greatest to have ever walked this earth. You just happen to won't be the greatest. And that's okay. Stipe, I mean, he's got Francis. He could fight again. That'll be a good fight because Francis will have made adjustments, but will there be enough adjustments to fight Stipe? Will he have enough wrestling defense? Will he be able to, you know, just fight the way... Will he be able to fight Stipe that just fought the Saturday night? Somebody who can box you up really good. Yeah, he took a lot of shots, but he rolled with them. And... You know, Ngannou's wrestling isn't DC's. We saw that in the first fight. And I think Stipe is going to work on that more in, if they fight again. I think Stipe is going to be just as wrestling heavy, if not more. I think he's going to want to take an early stoppage. He's going to want to take him down. 
He's going to want to grind him out, be heavy on top, pound him out, and not really let Francis kind of go for any shots. And that's kind of what Cain Velasquez should have done. He just did it a little too late. So with all that said, this is Technical Talkout. Thank you, guys.